Welcome, everyone, to the Apocalary Podcast. I'm Steve. He is... Dr. Van Beek. Yeah, yeah. I'd wholeheartedly vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't even have to ask me twice. I'd freely say, yes, that's Dr. Van Beek, and he is my good friend. And I appreciate that as well. Yeah. Oh, no no problem. That was... It was, a, it was an unpaid solicitation. No, hang on a second. How am I going to say this? Never mind. Anyway. Uh, and I actually think due to our comments, there will be rejoicing in heaven. Oh, oh there you go. Nice. Nice. Like yeah. right, like write a nice little lead into Revelation 19. <laughs> huh. It's like you were reading it off a page somewhere. Somehow, you know. So, Somehow. So, the, so um, uh, the great and wonderful Dr. Van Beek, what, what's all this Revelation 19 about? Well, it's it's about rejoicing in heaven, Stephen. <laughs> it's it actually as as um, as this book often does. It takes us to the end of time. Um, Not again. Uh, and then and then brings us back right back to Earth again. So huh. so it's there and back again. So by Bill uh, Bagans. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I believe time has ended several times in this book has it not it has it and it actually ends in this one um very in a very similar way to the way it ends in a couple of other places with the 24 elders all all yelling hallelujah and things oh that actually that sounds like not a bad way to end time no no it's not and um and this is of course the marriage supper of the lamb stephen oh well kind of kind of appropriate as we approach you know if you're listening to this on time as we approach Easter, what a, what a great uh, chapter to kind of you know roll. Oh Easter yes, with. yes. And I've actually had teachers tell me that the marriage supper of the Lamb is uh, is a boudoir scene, and you know what? In all the time that I've studied this, I still can't see it. Yeah, I've never been able to see it. I don't see it today. Huh? Is that like them trying to read a little Freud into this? I you know or fraud one or the other yeah <laughs> or, or are those the uh, prophecy guys <laughs> yeah well well I don't think there's much difference between Freud and fraud actually in my mind as a as a as my you know, I had an interesting thing happen this week I, I had an atheist talking to me and he was complaining about a number of ministers he he's he's following a website that talks about their shoes of all things and all of these uh, big name evangelists that are wearing $800 shoes. And he was complaining about that to me and how, how wrong that is. And I said, but we don't live in their world. Um, you know, for these guys, I actually went, I had people that worked with me that, that bought $500 shoes. Um, Brent Vose would buy very expensive shoes. Yes, yes. They still look like bowling shoes, but that's okay. They were, they were, <laughs> they were quite expensive. Uh, and, um, and these these guys and I said, well, but you know, if we saw people all around the world looking at us, um, they would look at us as being unbelievably extravagant. Now he did have a point that you know they're getting their uh, you know they're getting donations from people who have nothing, That's true. and so there is a responsibility aspect there. And yeah. I said, yes, in that you do have a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember once people giving me money and me thinking. Uh, and I was thinking, I have to be very careful with this because this is yeah. coming from people who don't actually have a lot. Yeah. So, which yeah. is different than Camelot, <laughs> which has to do with King Arthur. I had no idea how we were going to get there, but we did. We got there. Yeah, we, <laughs> but we made it. And, and Camelot, of course, is, is to do with the knights, yeah. which brings us back to, to nice. uh, <laughs> chapter 19. <clears throat> <laughs> nice, nice, because I was going to go, you know, 
because Camelot's a silly place. Let's not go there. But anyway, that would be hearkening back to the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, folks, we are in Revelation 19. Uh, I think Larry's going to have me read from one to five. Yes. And uh, we'll pick it up there. Starting at verse one. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke goes up, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne a voice came saying, Praise our God, all you, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Quite, quite intriguing. He starts off, of course. Now, now we've we've come back to heaven, right? Right. And you know, we've done this maybe four times already in this book. Mm-hmm. We did it in chapter four, and we've pretty much done it at each of the last four sevens. Okay. Have kind of have ended up with us going up into heaven and taking a look at what's going on in heaven, and and we think this is vitally important because if we are talking to a church that is being um, oppressed, then what they need to know more than anything else is that, uh, is that God is there. Mm. And so now they've come and they've, they've cried out, Hallelujah, the glory and power belong to God, and he is just and true. And remember, they, they've got to say he's just and true, because they're going to, not Trudeau, <laughs> I, I liked how you kind of slurred that right in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Justin Trudeau is uh, uh, is 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 his father, you know, taking a stab at this whole thing, probably. Um, but they've got to say that God is is true and that He is just, yeah. and He has judged the great prostitute. And remember, for me, the great prostitute is Rome. Yes. But we have said, and, and as you read this, you can see it in a, in a broader sense, that this is any civilization, any group of people that have had great power over other people hmm. and have used that power for destructive purposes. And God has judged them every time, hmm. every time. Hmm. So I see it as Rome, of course, and I think John is talking about Rome. But we could see it as um, as Napoleon's France or Hitler's Germany. Some people saw it as United States. Some okay. people saw it as Iraq, Iran. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and and you can you can kind of push this every time. In our future, it might be China. It might okay. be uh, you know Beijing. It could be that kind of a thing. It could be Russia again. At any time that people seem to gather enough power. They use that power to oppress their people rather than to lift them up. Mm, mm, mm. And, and they are judged for that. And that's why he's saying you're true and just God in these judgments. Because people who are, who are on the other side of this, on the judgment side of this, are going to cry out, how unjust and unfair is this God? Yeah. And, we, and, and his servants are saying, no, he is just and he is fair in what he's done. And he has actually judged her who corrupted the earth and who has killed her servants, hmm. his servants, and mm-hmm. not her servants, has killed his servants. She killed her own as well. Yeah. Could care less. 
Right. right. Remember, bodies and souls of men. They there's the the whole slavery of humanity that goes in there, and then they cry out, "Hallelujah!" The smoke of her goes up forever and ever, and so so there is a complete destruction of these kind of things that happen on the earth. Hmm. <clears throat> and uh, then the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they fall down and they worship God again. And that's the beauty of it. So what happens in the end is is God is, is fully on his throne. Um, the greatest of all beasts are worshiping him. The greatest of all the 24 elders, right? Yeah. Um, either representing an angelic. Uh, realm or representing Israel in the church or representing mankind um, whatever it is these elders are powerful they have their own crowns and they fall down and they worship God and remember in chapter 4 they actually throw their crowns before God or lay them right. at God's feet we are nothing compared to you O God mm. and so that's what he's doing here praise God all you servants those of you who fear him whether you're whether you're and for us small and great means wealthy or poor right okay. right yeah it may have meant kings and peasants which is still wealthy and poor it could mean great warriors and normal people it's it's those that, whoever you consider great yeah and whoever you consider small all of these are going to worship god yeah i i taking us to the end yeah huh? it's so fascinating that he pulls us right back to that vision in chapter four right you know, as soon as we see the 24 elders and the four living creatures, we think, yes, there's a majestic God sitting on his throne again. Yeah, yeah. And he's done this uh, about three times in this book, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he does it here again. So takes you back. Yep. Okay, cool. Verse 6, folks. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made him herself ready. It was, granted, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah, there you go. So the multitude here, this this great multitude is the same great multitude. I think it's the same multitude that we that we saw in chapter eleven and in cha or chapter seven and in chapter fourteen. This this I think it's the same great multitude, right? Hmm. This this people from every language, tribe, and all that stuff. <clears throat> the hundred and forty four thousand of uh, of chapter seven, and and they're they're reaching out to God and they're they're so excited, you know. Hmm. And and this is the big party, Hallelujah! Our God reigns. I, I think that's a song, isn't it? Yeah. Let us rejoice and give Him glory. And then they say the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, or the marriage of the Lamb has come. Why do I want to say supper all the time? The marriage of the Lamb has come. Maybe mm. in another version it says supper. Yeah. And and the bride is ready, and she's she's wearing these pure bright clothes. So we're just going to splice it back together. You'll hear something weird in there, but just bear with us. Yeah. So, and then he does the interpretive piece, saying that the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Okay. So it's not actual clothes that anybody's wearing. We are the church is the bride. 
Hmm. And we've known that from other places, and we can we can fit that in here and say this is the church. Okay. This is Jesus, and this is the church, and it's the righteous deeds of the saints are the fine linen. Hmm. Hmm. And then he goes on and said, "Blessed are those who are invited." This these are the true words of God. And then and then he says, "I fell down to worship this this this." beast uh, this creature that was talking to me this person talking to me and he said this is an angel of course mm. and he says oh no do not worship me i am one of your fellow brothers worship jesus and this is this is a critical piece there are so many things that you might be tempted to worship and the angel will tell you every time don't worship me worship jesus mm. plus the angels are ticked off because they're going to serve us one day <laughs> <clears throat> we're going to judge them and they're like yeah this this is like you know the greater being judged by the lesser i don't get this at all <laughs> so he says and um for the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy hmm. so hmm. there's a prophetic peace when you're when when you do what jesus testimony is is that yeah and then and then we come right back to earth okay yeah so we should be we should hang out in heaven we should stay in heaven but he brings us back to earth but he brings us back because he's trying to finish the story again right <clears throat> yes on his albino horse <laughs> that's right that's right for those of you reading it in the esv that's actually the title of this little this last section is the uh, the rider on the white horse so right, this is not shadow facts <laughs> it's not shadow facts it's not the horse with no name it's actually a, it's actually a very very special horse it is, it is. Though I, I've been through the desert. Yeah. <laughs> so picking it up at verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on, written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of, the, of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So that's that's um, that's pretty pretty intriguing, eh? We mm. we did something very similar to this at the end of the bowls, if you'll recall. That's right. Yeah. Remember, we said, what'd you say? Oh no, no, you're right, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. We remember we were talking about he's gonna he's going to do the battle, and we're just gonna kind of ride along. Mm -hmm. We're doing a police police car ride along, and <laughs> that's right. And he's and he's driving the car, and that's what he's doing here. He's sitting on this horse. He's faithful and true, and he's gonna judge and make war. And don't forget, we were just at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. So John, John, you know can't keep his focus here he keeps he keeps falling he keeps getting there and then and then falling back right and um he he talks to him about his eyes are like a flame of fire on his head are many crowns um maybe these are the crowns of all the guys that laid their crowns before his feet he just piled them all up on his head yeah, yeah. and and away he went and the whole idea of many crowns is that you are actually in charge of many many nations that's mm. the idea mm. right mm. it's the total power that you have and he has a name that no one knows but himself um this name written on it and remember this writing of a name on a person is is really an important thing in in scripture 
in general, but all, but particularly in the Book of Revelation. Remember, they would have they would have God's name written on their forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, the the hundred and forty four thousand would have God's name. The multitude would have God's name. Those his his people would have his name written on them. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has his name written on his robe. Mm-hmm. Okay, and his robe is dipped in blood. Different interpretations of this. Some think that the blood is the blood of his enemies. Most that I read think that the blood is his own blood, which he which he shed for us. Okay. Okay. So so his robe, it's 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 his blood, right? Yeah. Um, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God, and Word of God is what John calls Jesus in other places as well. That's right. Which is which is one of the little pointers that this might be John who wrote it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You remember, some people don't think it was John the Apostle, but they think it was, you know, um, um, a bishop later on that wrote this okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. Linen, by the way, is made from flax. I don't mm. know if that matters. Um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> there was no value in that little tidbit of well, knowledge. No, it's, you know, if you live on the prairies, it's very important. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Flax burns very bright, very hot. Um Flax, where and and the seeds are very good if if you need a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of fiber in your diet. <laughs> uh, so so uh, so he's he's riding he's wearing fine linen, white and pure. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. Um, this sharp sword now he's going to strike down the nations with this sharp sword. Remember the vision of Jesus in chapter one. The vision of Jesus in chapter one, he has a sharp two, two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Right. And we said that sword was for judgment. Hmm. And we still think that sword is for judgment here. But it says he's going to actually strike down and rule them with a rod of iron. And a rod of iron, iron was very, very, it was the hardest um, wartime substance of, of the day. Right. It replaced bronze, remember? Okay. Okay. Um, but it was also quite expensive. So there's there's a wealth aspect to this as hmm. well. Hmm. Hmm. And he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. And on his robe and his thigh is the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I think you've seen pictures of Jesus riding the white horse with King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his robe. Hmm. They usually don't have it dipped in blood. Um, and they don't have this name that no one knows. But there's Jesus riding ahead. And, and we're going to follow along um, as as if christians are supposed to follow along as part of his army and again he is doing all of the fighting we're just riding along behind yeah 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 this is well, we might get to smack a person here and there yeah you know if you're if you're a viking if you're you know norwegian maybe you want to you know have a sword in your hand and, yeah, get and a little, smack a person. you know get get involved in the fight but yeah that's right but, that's right but, but god is really telling us he's he's actually doing all the work here this is him ruling over over the nations that's right. Boromir is not fighting for Frodo. Um, it's God himself. Yeah, it's God himself. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a cute little cartoon. Um, it's all of the... Uh, it's actually DC and... Somebody pointed that out to me. Um, DC and Marvel characters. And Jesus is sitting with them all and saying, and, and that's that's how I saved the earth. And they're all... It was. It's kind of a cute little thing. All like Spider-Man and Superman yeah. and everything. Spider-Man, of course, is hanging upside down, and, you know, Hulk is there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll send it to you sometime yeah, if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, kind of, 
kind of coincide with like you know they're about to release Justice League soon, right? So it kind of go with that. Yes, yes. And if you're going to have Justice League, you, you got to have Jesus. But then if you have Jesus in in there, then nobody else has to has to do yeah, anything. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Picking it up at verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come and gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and the riders, and the flesh of all men, both slave, or sorry, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it, the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he had deceived those who'd received the mark of the beast and those that worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. See, so you can see, Steve, how he's he's moved forward in this book, hmm. and yet now again he's reached backwards two chapters. Right. Right. He's he's reached back to the um, to the bowls, yeah, right. To the stuff that happened in the bowls, and he's reached back to the stuff that's happened with the with the judgment of, of Babylon, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. With the judgment of Rome, um, he might even be reaching all the way back to fourteen, with the blood rising to the horses' bridles. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so it's kind of remember again, it's either parallel visions or circular visions, rather than a linear than a linear vision that he's having because the beast is here again and he's already judged the beast yep. and if if the beast was rome or the roman religious system he's he's come back to them one more time mm -hmm. just to say what's going to happen and this time you know he's um he's picked up on alfred hitchcock and <laughs> and had the pigeons come <laughs> and go after everybody the birds come. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So, where's uh, Jimmy Stewart when we need him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, was Jimmy Stewart in that one as well? In Birds? I don't know. You know, honestly, I don't I've, know if he was in Birds. I've never but, seen the um, Birds actually. So, no, well, it's a dumb, dumb movie. But, <laughs> but this is less dumb. These are these are the, uh, you know, these are your eagles and eagles, your eagles mm -hmm. and your uh, vultures, and your, and your other birds coming down and and uh, eating eating the people, yeah. eating the people and their horses. And, and everything else that's there and anybody that served the beast and then he talks about the mark of the beast again those mm -hmm. that receive the mark of the beast they're the ones now this is not the marriage supper of the lamb no this is as far no, away as you can get be, from it <laughs> yes this would be this would be the yeah this would really be an unpleasant marriage supper yeah. you know unless you're birds of course and yeah. then it, it's just fine but what, um, they would be used to that sort of imagery wouldn't they after a, ba a great battle of seeing yes. scavenging around, yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. Um, I think in a in a few of the movies we've seen with with knights and stuff, the birds picking away at 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 all of the, just like they do on the highway when they eat a moose or a deer. That's right. um, if it's dead people, they don't care. They're, yeah. you know, they'll they'll eat the people just as much. And and yeah, they would be quite used to this. I, probably even have seen some of it mm. in their in their lifetime, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's an intriguing it's an intriguing thing that you say, Stephen. Yeah. Um, and then they're they're thrown alive. Of course, the beast and and those who worship him now are are thrown. The beast is thrown alive, and uh, the false prophet. Um, these two are thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Hmm. Right. 
uh, asbestos boats and yep. things like that is is what you have to ride in. Uh, <laughs> if, if you remember, who the foolish guys to confound the wise? Yeah. Isaac Airfrey. Yeah, were foolish guys to confound the wise, and they would talk about you know uh, riding riding on the lake of fire, um, and the rest that were slain with the sword that came out of his mouth. And the horse and riders and the the uh, birds gorged on their flesh, so so the two are thrown into the lake of fire. The the rest are. We talk about the lake of fire being hell, um, or Hades at least, but but usually hell. Hmm. Um, and the only difference between those two, being that that uh, hell is is a little more permanent, and Hades is that that kind of in between place. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And and uh, there they are. They're they're thrown into the lake, and then we go into the thousand year reign after that. But um, but it, it intrigues me that it takes us to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then it goes right after the marriage supper. He comes right back into battle again. Mm-hmm. Like John always wants to keep bring them back to the to that the sense of glory and a sense of victory. Maybe is that what he's trying to do? Not not a hundred percent sure um, why he brings us back this time. He could have left us alone this time and just moved on to the next chapter, right? Mm-hmm. But but he's going to take us to the millennium, and after the millennium, he's going to come back to the battle again, mm-hmm. uh, right? And then he takes us to the end of time, and then he mentions people on the earth again. So <laughs> so he never really just culminates everything that happens. I think a big part of this is because. There's a salvation message here. Right. And part of the salvation message is you need to accept Christ as your Savior. or And you need to become one of his followers. Or this is your fate. Right? Yeah. Your fate is either here or it's later or it's further on in the future. But your fate is to be separated from God. And one of the ways he describes that is is this death by being eaten up. Hmm. Um and so, so don't forget the salvation message that's coming through all of this. Yeah, yeah. Follow Jesus, right in with Him, rather than being the ones that are destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Larry, good stuff. It, it, like I said, it, it's so fascinating to me just how John has written this book, and how he, he pulls us in and back out of that vision of of the throne, and then in and back out of of the end of time, the end of time, the end of time. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Larry and I love doing this, and uh, we're so grateful that you uh, listen every week, and uh, thanks for just keeping on with us. We'll see you next time. Strangely, we're going to talk about Revelation 20 because we're on that march to the end of the book, not to the end of time. Uh, And uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Apocalypse Podcast.